Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this series. This is just a great subject to open up. And this again is lesson three. And remember, we're taking a look at the worst bad day ever. We're taking a look at Jesus' bad day, which we call Good Friday. And I know we passed the holiday, but this is, we're looking at it from a whole nother perspective. And when Jesus hung on the tree, he made seven statements. And those seven statements light a path for us to take to help us get through our bad days. And just a reminder, this is, this is some of what Jesus faced on his bad day. He faced betrayal, false accusations, rejection, abuse, humiliation. And he showed us, hey, these things will happen in our lives. Here's what you can do to get through them. That's why Hebrews 12, verse 2, part A says this, keep, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. So we're just studying what did he teach us, and how did he make it through his bad day? And I, I, I want to emphasize this fact. It's talking about us finishing our race. And we're, we're going to talk about finishing our race today because Jesus made a statement that's all about us finishing our race. That's our purpose, what God created us to do on planet Earth. Listen to the second half of Hebrews 12, too. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish, in and with God, he, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And we're, we're going to find out, hey, how do I walk through that bad day? Some of our bad days are worse than others. I've never had a bad day last one day, so they last weeks, months, sometimes years, right? And what do we do to get through those bad days? Well, here's the third thing Jesus did, and it goes like this, John 19, 26, 27. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside me, his close friend, he said to her, he is your son. This is John. He said in verse 27, and to me, he said, she is your mother. And from then on, I took her into my home. This is fascinating. Now, Jesus, you know, always existed. He created the universe. He is a planner, right? You take a look at how the universe works. He knows how to figure it out. Jesus was never late for anything, right? And you have to ask yourself, why did he wait until he was hung, hanging on the tree to take care of his mom. No social security, no government help. Why did he wait to this moment? I really believe he waited so that it could be one of the seven steps because Jesus would have taken care of this months ahead of time. He knew when he was going to be crucified. He wanted us to see this and understand it. And what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about taking care of the most important things on our bad days, and family is one of them. We can't neglect family just because we're going through a bad day. There's three of them. We're going to have a blast as we look at these three. And this is my big idea. This is what I want us to walk out in every campus, understanding more clearly than ever. It goes like this. We must focus on the important things while walking through the bad things. And I want to give you an overview. I want to help you understand why. And we do have an enemy, and I think most of us that are Christians, we know that we have an enemy. He's an incredible strategist. That's one positive thing we can say about him. He is very bright. He's been around for thousands of years, and he's always strategizing to mess our lives up. So here's 
what's happened in your life if you are a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you'll understand this too. Uh, he wanted to keep you away from God. He wanted to keep you out of heaven. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, he lost you. So now he's really mad because you're going to go to heaven and he's not. He doesn't like you. So now here's what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to stop you from being fruitful. He doesn't want you to be fruitful. And he's going to do everything he can to stop you from producing fruit that's eternal, fruit on this earth, and he just doesn't want you to be a productive Christian. He doesn't want you to follow God. Uh, he doesn't mind if you're going to heaven now. He lost you, but he doesn't want you to follow Christ with a passion. So he is a strategist. Jesus showed us how it works in what we call the parable of the sower. That's one of the stories or parables Jesus shared, and it's the most important one out of all of them. It's only one of two that he actually explained because he didn't want us to misinterpret it. And here's how the parable of the sower goes. It's all about the Word of God, the Bible, and us reading it, and it dropping inside of us, and then it produces fruit in our life. He talks about four types of hearts or soil, and the fourth one, he says, is good ground, and he says they produce fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. That's where we all want to be, but there's three other types of hearts and ears before that. The first one is called hard ground. That could be a non-Christian who hears about Jesus and, you know, for whatever reason, they say, I don't want to hear about it, get lost, and, and they just reject it. But it could also be a Christian like you and I. We've accepted Christ. But can we all agree there's different areas in our life when we see what the Bible says and it's telling us to change and do something different? Aren't there areas of our life where we're a little hard in our heart and we say, oh, I'm not ready for that one? And so it could be us. But then he talks about two more types of soil. The second one is called shallow or rocky hearts. And some of us have that going on in our life. And the other one is thorny. And all it is is this. One shows us that the enemy will hit us head on. Uh, he will overtly attack us, and he will hit us with problems. And what he's trying to do is to stop us from following God and producing fruit. If that doesn't work, the third type of heart is called thorny ground, and that's the overt. And you know what that says? The cares of this life deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things, they enter in, and what's, what's the next phrase? And we become unfruitful. He's just trying to stop us from being fruitful with God and in our relationship with God. But I want to read the shallow ground, the rocky ground, because it shows us what's happening behind the scenes. Here's Mark 4, 16. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, that's the Bible, and it could be just different parts of the Bible, and at once receive it with joy. So if, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, isn't it true? Sometimes you're reading the Bible at home, you're in church, you're listening to a podcast, however you watch and listen, and you see something, you hear something, it's like, whew, I get it. That makes sense. That's, that's what this is talking about. It's like, yeah. Now, as soon as you get it and you decide to do it, here's what happens. Verse 17, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. You know what that means? He hits you quick. He hits you right after you hear it. He hits you shortly after you hear it. You don't have time to really grasp it and really put it inside you. And then it says this, when trouble or persecution comes, though, can you all agree those are bad days? Listen, why does it come? Because of the word. Does it come because you carry a Bible in your hand or you have a Bible on your phone or your pad or whatever? No, he doesn't care if you have a Bible. He just doesn't want you to read it. it. It comes when you read it and you accept it. You hear it and you say, I agree with that. 
then persecution comes. And then listen what happens, they quickly fall away. It doesn't mean you stop following Jesus or loving Jesus. It means you fall away from what you just received and you said, I agree with that, God. I'm going to begin to do that in my life. So I've heard people say, you know, I had so much fewer problems uh, before I was a Christian. Now that I'm a Christian, it just seems like I have more problems. And people wonder, what am I doing wrong? No, no, you're doing a lot of things right. That, that means you're going after God. And you know what? If you, if you can get through the bad days and the hard times, then what he's going to try to do is get you with the thorns and just get you caught up in this world. He is a strategist. What's his goal? He doesn't want us to produce fruit. And I am right in there with you. I have, to, I have to deal with the same things you have to deal with. So that's why my big idea, again, we must focus on the important things while walking through the bad things. Because the important things, especially these first two, they're, they're going to produce peace and life and freedom. They're going to give us an idea of what to do in order to get out of. They're, they're going to give us strength while we're going through the bad days. So here's the first of three things. Uh, we must keep foc focusing on our faith. Your faith is just simply your relationship with God. Listen to this scripture. You guys ready? 1 Corinthians 1.9. God will surely do this for you, for he always does just what he says. And he is not, and he is the one, excuse me, who invited you. The invitation is when you accepted Christ, you were invited. What were you invited into? Into this wonderful friendship with his son, even Christ our Lord. And man, if you can see this, when you accept Christ, you know, you know what the number one goal is? For you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do you do it? By reading your Bible, listening to worship songs. You come to church to be corporately fed and learned to, and we listen to other people on podcasts, etc. And what does the enemy want to do? And, and it, should be, it should be the last thing we do. He wants us to just become so upset, so depressed with our bad day that we stop that relationship, which is actually the thing that will set us free. So I thought under, under every segment, I would just deal with some of the things that happen. Now, some of you aren't like me. Some of you are so much more spiritual than I am. But my, one of my go-to uh, defaults when I'm going through a tough time is, is, is just simply uh, having a pity party. Anybody here like pity parties? You know what they say about pity parties? Pity parties are like no other party because pity parties go on all day long and we can just have a blast with our pity parties. And when I have a pity party, I invite a lot of guests. I invite everybody hates me. They, they come to my pity party. Everyone's against me, right? Uh, God let me down. I always invite God let me down to my pity party. And I'm just moaning and complaining. And you and I can be so caught up in what happened to us that we just stop following and focusing on the most important thing, our faith. That's the thing that will set you free and walk you through it. But it's so easy to do. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Listen to this. Um, he said this in Luke 9, 23. Then Jesus said to all the people, if any of you want to be my followers, let's have a relationship, follow him, read the Bible, put it into action. You must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross each day and follow me. Again, the relationship. Notice how he said, forget about yourself. And I'm a little bit self-centered. Kind of, I feel like the world revolves around me, right? That's my default again. And uh, so he's saying, Joe, if you're going to have a relationship with me, it's not all about you. you you've got to let that go. And then he paints this picture. Pick up your cross and follow me. 
So following Jesus means you will have bad days. The enemy is going to just try to whack you silly, and that happens. And aren't you glad Jesus said in the world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we can get through our bad days, and they actually can toughen us up if we go through them the right way. But carrying the cross is real simple. And notice how he said every day, the cross represents death. Jesus died on the cross, right? So when we pick up our cross, here's all we're saying. You know what? I want to quit. You know what? I want to have a pity party. You know what? I, I just, I just want to get in my room and just isolate myself. But we say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail my feelings, my desires. This can also go in everyday life. I want to sin, but I'm not going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail that to the cross, and I'm going to just keep following Jesus. And then that's when the freedom comes. But the enemy wants to stop us from focusing on our faith. Here's, here's the second one, and this one... This is so cool. Everybody's seeking this one. Uh, we must keep focusing on our purpose. Do you know that every one of you in this room has a purpose? 80%, 87% of Christians will tell you they don't know what their purpose is, and they feel like they're purposeless, and, and, and they're just walking around feeling no value whatsoever. So get a hold of this. Whatever you do for a living... Whatever it is, you might own a business, you work for someone, whatever profession you're in, wherever you're at in life, um, God will help you in that area. God will, God will bless you in that area. But for most of us, that's not the reason we're alive. That's what we do to eat, right? And you may enjoy what you do too, but for most of us, that's, that's what we do to eat. Some of you, it, it also blends into your very purpose. But for most of us, it's just what we do so we can live. But guess what? The Bible teaches before you took your first breath. God put gifts in you before you were born, and he wrote in a book in heaven your very purpose, your reason for existing. And that purpose is found within God's church, within the kingdom of God. For the majority, some of us work with parachurch organizations too. But listen to Matthew 6, 33. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things, all the things you need in life, will be yours as well. All he's saying, guys, is this. He's saying, whatever God created you to do, keep doing that. And sometimes it doesn't look that big to us. It doesn't look like all that much, and we can think, oh, it's not significant at all. And all of us deal with significance, right? And feeling like, well, someone else has more important things to do than I do. I know as a pastor, I have to deal with that with what I do. And I'm one of those pastors, you know, uh, if I wasn't on TV, I would just impact our campuses. And that, that's all. Most people wouldn't know me when I went out in public. Because I'm on TV, I have a little bit more influence. But you know what? When, when, I, when I look around and see what other guys are doing, and I, I just, sometimes I just feel like, God, am I doing anything? When I see how big some of these pastors are, their ministries are, and, and yet, you know what I have to say? All I have to do is what God created me to do. And it's so easy for you and I to have the, that problem that what we do isn't all that much. I, I know one pastor, he, he ran 15,000 on Easter. And do you know the day after Easter, he was bummed out because another church ran 43,000 on Easter? It never ends. And the idea is just whatever God gifted you to do, just put your heart into it because when you arrive in heaven and you're at the judgment seat of Christ, here's what we want to hear. At the judgment seat of Christ, you know what's going to come out? the book where God wrote what he created you to do. And if you did it, it doesn't matter how little, how big, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he's going to have all kinds of rewards for you. Let me just talk about your gift for one moment. First Peter 4.10, you're all gifted. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You have a gift. God wants you to use it to serve other people. I am so excited about Growth Track. You've heard me talk about it, all the campuses. been talking about it now for weeks. Growth Track begins next weekend, and it's going to be four weeks in a row. There's four sessions, and if you want to become a member here, you, you go through Growth Track, and also if you want to grow, you go through Growth Track. And in our second session in Growth, growth Track, the second session is a lab, and in that lab, we're going to test you to see what your gifts are because God placed these gifts in you. And when I took those, like I was already in the ministry when I took some of these tests, and I was shocked at how they nailed me. They just nailed me. And I was trying to fool the questions, you know. I'm thinking, I'm going to say this and mess it up. They get so many questions, they fool you. And so when I took my gift quest after I'm already in the ministry, it said, they give you one out of 100. They said I was 99% administrative, 98% teacher, and I had 50 or 60% uh, giving and everything else was below five. And I thought, well, that nailed me pretty, pretty good. And it will nail you. You'll know exactly what you're gifted and called to do. But let me, let me bring something else up to you. This fascinates me. You know how I keep saying Jesus had the worst bad day ever? Do you know who had the most bad days that's ever lived on planet Earth? The Apostle Paul. He had more bad days than anyone. He had the most bad days out of anyone that ever lived on planet Earth. And here's why. He had the most unique calling. It was so unique. Uh, he was called of God. His purpose was to finish writing the Bible. He wrote nearly three quarters of our New Testament. New Testament begins with Matthew, ends with Revelation. Of course, God gave him the words to write, but the enemy, how many of you think the enemy didn't want that written, right? So he caused him to have more bad days than anybody. You know what else he was called to do? He was called to go into countries that had never heard about Jesus. That's hard to imagine today because everybody's heard about Jesus, typically, wherever we go to start a church. But back then, they never heard about Jesus. They didn't know who he was. And he had to go into those towns and start churches. The enemy didn't want the gospel to spread. So more bad days than anyone in this room. And I just want to show you some of his bad days, put ours in perspective, and then also show you how he ended his life. Listen to this one. This is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. I have worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again and again. He just kept adding those agains, right? This guy had a tough life. Here's some detail. Verse 24. Five different times the Jews gave me their terrible 39 lashes. So that means they, they whipped him 39 times, five different times. His back had to be scarred like crazy. One time, and I would have said, you know what, God? I think I'll go work a secular job and just give a lot of money, because there is no way this is happening to me again. Think about what he went through. I don't know about you, but I'm like, whoa, but it doesn't end there. And, and here's, here's the next one, 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. So just think of a, ba- a wooden baseball bat. Three times they beat him with a bat. He had to crack bones and, and, and just had all kind of physical hurts. And God kept healing him. But even if God healed me, I'd be like, I still don't know if I want to go through the pain one more time. L- listen, listen to verse, um, as it goes on here, he says, once... I was stoned, and that's not the way we use stone today, okay, guys? So this is different, all right? No marijuana, right? So here, here we go, right? They stoned him. They stoned him. The, the Bible day stoning, they, they used stones. You had to have two hands. It usually had to be a guy, right? Uh, a bunch of guys, and they, they'd tie him up, and then they would throw these huge stones 
at, at them, and they crunched, crushed their skulls and their bones. And the one time he was stoned, the Bible says he was dead, and all the Christians came after they left him dead, and they prayed, and he just jumped up and, and didn't even have to go in rehab. Isn't that amazing? Again, I still would never, ever, ever, I'd be like, God, someone else can write the Bible. Uh, they do a better job than me, right? Now, and then it says, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was in the open sea all night and the whole next day, and all I think of is Joss, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Just think of a shark. This guy, if he could go through that many bad days, how about us, right? Now, Gina and I, <clears throat> when we're going through bad days, this is one of the things we do at home. If I'm going through a bad day, she's going through a bad day, we exhort each other and we say, it could be worse, we could be Paul. And all of a sudden, my bad day is just not all that bad. But here's the reason I shared all that with you. This guy never stopped pursuing God, never stopped following his faith, and he never stopped with his purpose. Uh, listen, listen to 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept my faith. So he's kept on his faith, but he also finished his race. That means he fulfilled his purpose. And I've said this each week, but it bears repeating, guys. Um, initially, sometimes when we are hit with a bad day, we have to take some time off, right, and catch our breath. I understand that. I'm just talking about after all that passes, we can't use it for an excuse. We just have to keep going forward like Paul did. Hey, here's the third most important thing. It's what Jesus dealt with at the cross. We must keep focusing on our family. That would be our mate, our children, our parents. And I notice this on my bad days. There's two things I'll do. One is I'll go on the war path, and I'll just be grouchy and mean. But how many of us know when we go on the war path, it's only with our family, right? Because um, I come to church, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Praise God. And I'm so happy. And and then I can be going through a bad day, and I'll go home, and I'm just, and I'm biting everybody's head off. And so I remember our kids were younger. Joe and Dave were junior high. Michelle and Deanna were grade school. And I had just a prolonged bad day. I came home, and we're eating dinner together. And I, my, my poor wife, I just start just biting her head off over everything, complaining about the food, complaining about this, complaining about that. Now, this was a long time ago, like a month ago. No, this was a really bad time ago. <laughs> Right? So, no, no, I've conquered this mainly. I've, I've done pretty well with this. But Gina just couldn't take anymore. And she got up and said, you know, let me know this isn't right and so on. She went upstairs. And so now my poor kids, junior high and grade school, they're sitting there. You know those awkward moments where the, the atmosphere is so thick you could cut it with, with a knife? And I don't know what to do. I'm just angry. And so Dave, Dave was in junior high, but Dave has always been spiritually sensitive and so he just looked at me and said, Dad, you must have had a really bad day. Would you like to talk about it? <laughs> I'm like, here's what i like to talk about. How about I resign and you take over the church because you're way more spiritual than I am, right? Don't we do that on our bad days? We, we do it on our bad days. You know what else we do on our bad days? It's really easy to neglect the ones we love, whether it's our kids, our parents, our mate because we're just so consumed in our bad day. And that's what Jesus was showing us. You know, even on a bad day, we, we have to make sure we're not neglecting our family. So I picked a verse for this one, and it has to do with husbands and wives, because I'm convinced that our enemy wants to destroy marriages. He loves destroying marriages. And so we have to, we have to make sure those bad days don't take us away and neglect and 
hurt our marriages. So I thought you guys would enjoy this. This is the Amplified Bible, which means they take the Greek language and they really amplify it, try to get every meaning in there. And so here's Ephesians 5.33 for the husbands first and then the wives second. And it goes like this. However, each man among you, without exception, is to love his wife as his very own self. Verses above, he says, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Here he's saying, you love your wife as if she's you. How many of us love ourselves? I, I love myself a lot, right? So can you see how that would change how we treat our wives? He goes on and says, with behavior worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking the best for her, and that's even in our bad days, with an attitude of loving kindness. Now, I want to just be honest with you. Every time I, 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 I perform a wedding ceremony, I always go through the three ways Jesus loved us as the church, and that's how we love our wife. And I always say, I say it to the couple being married, I say it to everyone in the room, I still haven't perfected this, but I just, every day, I make a decision, I'm going to do this no matter what's going on, and I'm a very self-centered person, so I wake up in the morning thinking about Joe. That's, I am the first one on my mind when I wake up, and some people die, wake up and think about Jesus, I'm like, I wake up and think about me, and uh, How's my day going to go? What's for breakfast? What's for dinner? It's morning, but what's for dinner? And, uh, you know, so you're, you're a little bit self-centered. Some of you aren't that carnal as I am. But I have to make myself, I have to make a decision. I'm going to focus and make my wife the most important thing. Now, here's what he says to the wives. So, Gina, perk up. Here we go. <laughs> Verse 33. And the wife must see to it that she respects, I love this, and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. And it's got to be tough living with guys like me to do that, right? That's got to be tough. And so she's, she's, gonna, she's having to say, all right, God, I'm going to obey what you say. But all of us have to focus on these most important things when we're going through the worst day of our life. Now, here's something I know. I believe every church service should have four things. Celebration, which we, we had, and, and church can also be fun, right? But then saturation's the second thing. And I really believe God's presence is in this room. It's not weird, but I believe he spoke to you while I taught the Bible, and he's dealing with our hearts right now. And that's so important. The third thing is education. The fourth thing would be salvation. But I really believe the Spirit of God has spoken to people. So can we bow our heads on every campus, close our eyes, and I just want to give you a God moment in your life. And as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. For all of us Christians that are here, whatever God dealt with you concerning in this message, this is just a time for you to say, all right, God, I'm, I'm going to place that into motion. All right, God, I'm going to make... Make, make myself focus on that more. And even when we're not having a bad day, sometimes we struggle with focusing on these three things. So as you're praying, just yield to God, surrender, and say, yeah, God, I'm going to do that. And, and God will minister his life to you. And while we remain in prayer on every campus, maybe you walked in today and you weren't sure of your eternity. And here we had communion. And, you know, communion just points out, wow, a loving God gave us life so we can live. And he said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. Jesus said, if you believe in me, I will give you everlasting life. He said, you can't work for it, but I'll give it to you. 
if, if you put your faith in me. So growing up in America, we are growing up in this nation in what's called post, a post-Christianity era, which means we've heard about Jesus our whole lives, but we, we haven't all heard the truth about him, which is this, all you have to do is believe and accept him. It's not believe and do a bunch of other things. He said, if you trust in me, I'll save you. So right now I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. Those are all great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember the day when you prayed and said, Jesus, I'm accepting you as my personal savior and making the decision to follow you. If you're here and you say, I can't, but I want to, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, all camps. Can, can we help the people praying for the first time? And just say this after me. And if you're saying it for the first time, just simply mean it. Just say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. And today, I look to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. And today, I trust in you. I accept you as my Savior. And I make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.